Welcome to the St Martin's Challenge podcast, where we give a voice to the most vulnerable in our society. Hosted by me, Lewis Owens. And me, Savraj Kaur. Okay, welcome everyone to, uh, to another episode. The recent protests sparked by the imprisonment of Alexei Navalny and widespread corruption in Russia have been seen by millions throughout the world. Joining Sav and I today is Vladimir Ashokov, Executive Director of Navalny's Anti-Corruption Foundation and outspoken critic of the Putin regime. Vladimir, great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Let, let's start with the basics. Tell us more about the foundation. When was it set up and, and what exactly is your purpose? It was set up in 2011. Um, it was set up um, as a no Russian nonprofit with the aim of uh, fighting against corruption and injustice in Russia. It was set up by Alexei Navalny, who at that time was a um, civil and political activist. Um, and um, over the years, he emerged as the the most prominent Russian opposition politician uh, opposing the attractive uh, regime of Mr. Vladimir Putin. Okay, thank you. Um, and what, what can you tell us about uh, Mr. Navalny's current situation? Um, obviously, there's been um, uh, a lot of news about it. Uh, are you in contact with him? What, what's the latest, Vladimir? <clears throat> so, the last... Um, six months have been the stuff of, you know, epic or TV series. So Navalny was poisoned uh, in August of uh, last year in uh, Siberia. Um, what uh, shortly after that it emerged that a nerve agent was used called Novichok, which was also used in Britain in 2011, uh, in 2018. And um, he was, um, evacuated to a German hospital, he miraculously recovered, um, and uh, an investigation was done into the circumstances of his poisoning. And it turned out that uh, this was done by a team of FSB, which is the Russian Security Service, by a team of FSB uh, agents. And bizarrely, he even managed to call one of the person on this team who was organizing his uh, poisoning. And then um, despite the threats of incarceration from uh, various Russian authorities, he returned to Russia in January of this year only to be immediately arrested in uh, a court hearing, which was really a mockery of justice. It wasn't in the courtroom, it was in a police station. And um, he was given uh, a sentence of two uh, years and eight months for allegedly violating his parole status because he was outside of the country and he wasn't checking in with his parole officer every two weeks as he was supposed to. Um, so he is now... Um, on his way to a penal colony. The communication with him is only through a lawyer that comes to him uh, every few days. And even then, they're not alone in the room. They speak through a um, glass 
window and uh, um, that's that's about it at the same time over the last month uh, Navalny has been uh, participating in a several uh, court proceedings and from there he recorded messages of um, you know courage uh, and uh, encouraging people in Russia to stand up against injustice and uh, against oppression uh, and uh, from what we know from his you know um, limited correspondence that he is able to get out he's in good health uh, good spirits and um, you know he is uh, hasn't lost his sense of humor and optimism as as ever good well that that's that's encouraging to encouraging to hear it it seems to me vladimir that unless there's a radical overhaul in the perhaps in the transparency and the the fairness of the voting system in russia there is a there's a very real chance that that putin could essentially remain president indefinitely potentially up to you know 2036 um do you see that happening i mean how can the, the the transparency and the fairness of the of the Russian voting system change? Um, well, when you have all the legislative power, all the administrative power, when you have uh, the law enforcement system under your full control, when you have unlimited financial resources, what? would actually stop you from remaining in power as long as you want and that's the situation right you cannot voting system you 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 say as if you know we can make some tweaks to the voting system and you know the the, the system how russia is governed will change it's not um the so what, what, people what needs who, to change vladimir what needs to change um the political system in Russia is not representative. It has been hijacked by Putin and uh, a number of cronies uh, that he put around him. So what needs to change, uh, let me just describe how it works now and then you'll understand how it works. First of all, it's really not possible uh, for an independent you know, group of people to register a political party. We, Navalny has emerged as the premier uh, politician opposing Putin. We've tried nine times to register our political party. Um, we fulfill all the, all the legal requirements, but they still don't register it. The same goes for independent candidates uh, for ballot. It, to just uh, to give you an idea, um, to get registered as a presidential candidate, you need to uh, collect signatures of over one million people. And when I mean when I mean signatures, the people who collect signatures, they need to record your passport data exactly how it's written, uh, your address. If there is a mistake, even in one comma or dot your signature is stricken out um and then that's the registration part then there is the issue of um uh falsific vote, vote rigging there is a widely publicized cases where they stop the ballot boxes and, and then they change 
the uh, the results of the voting. So that's what's happening now. Even uh, you know, uh, even if you don't change the 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 rules of uh, the electoral rules, if there is a a uh, injection of like independent electoral commission that would conduct elections, a fair system for um, uh, for selecting candidates and putting them on the ballot, things will very rapidly change. Okay, good to know. Let, let's um, let's move things slightly outside Russia at the moment because I know that um, uh, the influence of, of of Russian money, as it were, extends far beyond uh, Russia. Do, do you see this influence in, in other countries, uh, specifically here in the UK? And do you think the UK could be doing more to prevent the influx of um, dubious Russian money into the country? Most definitely. Um, London is the hub of business uh, and finance in Europe and in the world, and it's the first place where a well-off Russian would come to leave or to buy property outside of Russia. Most of the money that emerge from Russia are legitimate, but of course there's a big flow of dirty money as the corruption has really become the backbone of how Russia is governed. And even though UK has the right legislation, um, for, you know, policing the flows of dirty money. There is a national crime agency, there is a serious fraud office, there is the newly adopted legislation on unexplained wealth orders. It's, it's not really used that much, and Britain uh, does remain a safe haven for dirty money um, from mo many places, but from Russia in particular. And the difference with Russia, um, I mean, there, there's probably a lot of corrupt money coming to UK from, I don't know, Nigeria, China, um, Middle East. But Russia is different in that uh, it's not a, it's not a, a, um, a benign actor. It's a, we've seen over the years that it's a malign actor. It would like to undermine the Western system. It conducts political assassinations. It meddles in elections in other countries. It brutally redraw the borders of Europe in 2014 when it's annexed part of Ukraine and started meddling uh, and supporting the separatists uh, in the east of Ukraine, a conflict that left over 12,000 people dead. So uh, I think the Russian dirty money is, is a really threat to the West and in particular to the UK. Thank you. Um, so it's clear you're, you're working really hard to make Russia a better place, making the voting system more transparent, cracking down on dirty money. But um, what we've been seeing here is incredible coverage of recent protests. And I wanted to ask more about the people who are joining those protests. So it takes a lot to come out and join a rally in, in general, but also in freezing temperatures, in a pandemic, and when someone's already been poisoned once. So what, what motivates them? Can you shed more light? Are there any conversations you've had with someone who's left 
the safety of their homes to join your cause. They might, honestly, they might not see the long-term effects. So I'm really interested to know what, what draws them out. Uh, the mass protests that we've seen over the last um, uh, two months uh, were quite peculiar. Uh, a lot of things changed from the earlier waves of mass protests in Russia. Before this year, it wasn't really dangerous to go out to the streets. Uh, people would gather in the streets. They, they would uh, protest or march for an hour or two and, and then peacefully disassemble. Um, this year, we've seen uh, unprecedented police brutality where thousands of people were detained uh, in the course of the peaceful protests, which actually took place in over 100 cities uh, throughout Russia. Um, a lot of people were given uh, sentences ranging from five to 30 days. Um, so it indeed became more, much more dangerous for people to participate in this mass protest, despite that fact still in the last two big um, days of protests in January, um, over 200,000 people participated throughout Russia. Um, people are really, the, the, the regime of Putin, it may seem stable, it may seem, uh, you know, like a fortress, but People are not happy, and, and it's cracking in many places. The, the living standards uh, have been either deteriorating or stagnating. Uh, when we talk about business elite, people have seen the values of their businesses decimated, access to international capital markets um, uh, very constrained, um, and uh, there is this um, feeling of lawlessness that if you find yourself on the wrong side of, you know, somebody's, if somebody wants your business or, or if somebody wants to meddle in how you conduct your life, you can easily end up uh, persecuted or in jail. I mean, you've, you've made it, um, you've, you've highlighted some things like, you know, people may have better living standards and so on. But can you give me an example as well of, of the everyday person? Russia is a huge country and um, men, women, children. What, what do you think the change would be for them if, um, if you were successful in your campaign? And, uh, and might even ask about minority groups as well. That's a, a huge issue that's covered here every now and then. And what do you think the change would be for them? What, what everyday um, betterment do you think they'd see? There are many aspects to that. Let's start with uh, economic ones. Um, the level of inequality in Russia is one of the highest in the world and uh, probably the highest of any big economy, of, of any big world economy. So we have, Russia is probably on par with any European country in terms of number of billionaires uh, with Russian origin. And at the same time, the minimum uh, salary in Russia is about 200 pounds per month. And many people, uh, you know, their income is at that level. So this gives you an idea of um, where things are. Um, 
70% of the economy has been over years uh, has fallen into state hands. So it's state controlled, all the natural resources company, the big banks um, and uh, other um, large pieces of uh, various industries. So it's bureaucratic, it's over-regulated um, and uh, it's uh, monopolistic. Uh, which directly affects how people live and, and uh, the, uh, the level of prices, etc. Russia has become a kind of a pariah in the international arena. It has been kicked out of G8, the club of um, rich countries. Uh, it has been um, an, a target of sanctions, personal sanctions, industry-wide sanctions, um, so it's, uh, it's not a, a, a rosy picture and especially a lot of people that come to protest, they're young people and, um, they have, you know, Putin has ruled over Russia for the last 21 years. So young people don't know anything other than Mr. Putin. And, uh, obviously they think that, uh, some change is in order. Um, and uh, the, the Russian government, it really doesn't have any vision of the future. Uh, the social lifts uh, have, um, you know, all but been broken. So the, the young generation is robbed of, of their prospects. And uh, that's, of course, uh, is why they're unhappy. And the ratings of Putin and of the Russian government in general are the lowest in the youngest um, uh, in the youngest strata of the population. So, so what's your hope for them? What do you think is going to come about for them in 10 or 20 years? Um, well, uh, our strategy is, uh, to build the, uh, the, the, the level of support to build recognition, to strengthen our organization. We understand that we're not strong enough to take on Putin's regime uh, heads on as they have all the levers of power, but th as this regime is really cracking and uh, inevitably over the next few years, we'll see a large scale political crisis unfolding in Russia. And we want to be the most organized political force at that, uh, at that time. And uh, we would like to influence the way how Russia will be governed at the next stage of its uh, development and uh, to, to bring forward our vision of uh, beautiful, new, democratic and fair Russia. Yeah, and maybe you'll have a host of young, independent candidates against you at the same time as part of the byproduct. Yeah, sure. Uh, Vladimir, we're coming to the to the end of, uh, of the podcast now. Um, I just thought it would be nice uh, to end on uh, today being um, the 5th of, of March, which marks, of course, the anniversary of the death of both Stalin and the composer Sergei Prokofiev. Uh, perhaps um, a, a suitable day to reflect on, on both the good and the bad in, uh, in Russian politics and culture. Uh, uh, that's a wide-ranging, open-ended <laughs> question. <laughs> Where do you want me to take it? 
uh, we'll take. I tell you what, we'll take it in another podcast. Uh, perhaps when when you come on, and and um, hopefully we we won't have to wait too long uh, until perhaps you've got you've got more to say. But uh, for the meantime, uh, Vladimir Ashokov, thanks ever so much for coming on. Thank you.